Okay. What's that, dude? It's your boy, Fatal. As it always is, though. Just at the top of the show, because now we are in the show, and we are recording, so... Everybody, just so you know, support your local comic dot shop, comicshoplocator.com, is how, you know, both of those websites are going to get you to where you want to go. They're going to get you to your local shops. And, you know, that's what we do it for. We do it for our local shops. If you support streamers on Twitch, you can support your local comic shops. $3.99 sub is the same thing as a $3.99 comic. So... So we're just going to get right into the show. So for people who are coming in for the LGBTQ plus IA everything under the rainbow, it's because it's Pride Month. I mean, we're not going to forget hashtag stop AAPI. That awareness that month um, is still really important and still continuing, continuing to influence a lot of the shows that we're starting to see pop up on Hulu. The shows we're starting to see pop up on HBO Max. Just keep supporting it. Because that kind of hate doesn't go away in our everyday, and it's a terrible, terrible thing. So just be aware of it going forward, you know? In this new year, this year, we're trying to forget literally freaking everything that happened, or is still continuing to happen as we're steering far and far away from um, COVID. But it's still in the rearview mirror, so just like the Asian hate, keep it in the rearview mirror. Drive away from it. And we go forward into June, which is Gay Pride Month. Yeah, all right. You know, we're going to get into the show. Boom. Sick. Dude, Pride has been, you know, a thing for 100 years, but it's been having to hide. It's been having to change its face. And as its face changes, uh, it keeps the memory and the progress of everybody who came before it, uh, such as Ann Arbor, Harry Hay, and Harvey Milk. Um, just a few politicians to name a bunch. Uh, we are going to get into some some research. If you're not about it, don't be here. If you're if if you're still living in the past, if you still wave a torch as you need some light to um you know navigate your house, that's great. You're a caveman. Go back under your rock. We're not about that. Humans are humans. You know, move on with it. President Obama in 2015 actually knew that just as well as anybody because he passed, he repealed the U.S. military's Don't Ask, Don't Tell Act, which, you know, kept people in, in the closet. It kept people a secret. And this month is about shouting high from the rooftops. Honestly, this new generation and everything we're about, this streaming and pop culture, this, you know, use of the Constitution and your freedom of speech allows you to do things like this, like what we're doing. And um, I just want everybody to be aware that all this month, the Fatal Fanfare will be acknowledging gay superheroes, gay acts, gay things, and not just gay, the word for all of it, really. The, the love, you know, acts of love, things of love. And uh, we have a lot. We have a really show to get into today and um you know i just want to start by saying thank you for being here thank you for people who are still coming in um we come here for superheroes you guys come here for me and i thank you for those who support uh but you guys do come here for superheroes 
and that's what I'm here to give you. So, you know, we take lessons from the superheroes. We're fans of superheroes, and we don't judge those heroes based on who they are. We read them because heroes face issues head-on with righteousness, with the moral high ground. Superheroes can't... You can't be a superhero without wanting to protect all sentient life. Optimus Prime knew that just as well as anybody. Uh, he's a non-gender or, or gender-fluid race, if you want to say. I mean, he's... He just knew the value of life. And I think that's true love. To approach something without prejudice. To uh, give everything a fair chance. And for young teens who are gay and everything, you know, and I mean and everything as in like lesbian, pansexual, anything that you find yourself to identify with, it does get better. There are people exactly like you. Everybody is in a way like you, no matter if they choose to hate you or not. And one day we'll all hopefully see that. Because there are gay superheroes who have come out recently like Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Poison Ivy, Iceman, Batwoman, Wolverine, Mystique, Miles Morales, and even from somebody lesser known with Aftershock comics, I won't say lesser known to demean them, uh, Chalice. And, um... It's really cool because it doesn't mean that they're any less or they fight gay things. It's they are who they are. Uh, so moving forward with the show, we got Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight. Yes, we got Oscar Isaac Moon Knight. Uh, Oscar Isaac, the actor of a um, the son of Guatemalan mother Maria Eugenia and Cuban father. Uh, he played a lead guitar. He sang vocals in a band called Blinking Underdogs. He graduated class of 05 at Juilliard. He even renovated his own apartment for his comfortability, his living situation. Um, he's known for such things as playing, we're just going to say it at the top, Poe in Star Wars. What more do you need? Uh, he was in Ex Machina. He was X-Men. He was in X-Men Apocalypse. He was Apocalypse himself under loads and loads of makeup. Um, I, for one, am really, really excited for Oscar Isaac's portrayal. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, the scene in The Last Jedi when him and Carrie Fisher are kind of losing their minds on each other or ideologies, and he, um, he's having to differ with his captain whether or not it's right to go down with the ship or if they should spend their time fighting or who's going to die anyway, right? Because Poe doesn't think he's going to die or every next minute he does. So life isn't really something on his forefront. But, you know, Apocalypse, golly, that was haunting. That was insane. Um, there's just... <laughs> when I saw Professor X sitting there getting taken over by Apocalypse and he's looking at Michael Fassbender, he's like, someone's talking to you. Who, who's there? And just that ominous... Om omnipotent, omnipotence? You know what I'm trying to say? Um, it was just so scary to see him look through the veil of reality as a comic character who's above all, who could show up in a moment's notice and take down everything you know and love. Um, I, for one, am very excited to see him take on, uh, Mark Spector. Um, okay, so, with Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight, we move on to, oh man, this one kind of hurts, two untitled Marvel movies get pushbacks. Yeah, they've been doing that all throughout the pandemic. It's really not a surprise. 
Um, but it is kind of interesting. So let's take a look at these dates real quick. We got one that's November 3rd, 2023 to November 10th, 2023, which isn't really a big pushback. It's just one week. But the weird part about that one week pushback is that now that Disney has stakes in um, 20th Century Fox, there's an untitled 20th Century film that was supposed to be released on November 10th, 2023 under the 20th Century Fox uh, movie slate. Now it seems that Disney might get that placeholder if they've already done everything that it takes to be a movie on that date what's to say disney can't just make one little tweak one little go ahead and my theory is that that could be a deadpool movie that could be something fox still owns and if we look at that property it doesn't count any of the sony picture uh movies that are coming out such as morbius and the blade movie that are coming out under sony pictures um, October 7th, 2022 to, uh, is now changed to October 6th, 2023. I wonder what that could be. I honestly just think that that's a pushback to keep the Marvel continuity clear because I don't think these movies can necessarily release one without another. And that's why we're getting Loki a month before Black Widow in the same sense. I think that there's going to be a lot of things moving forward. And, you know, with the Eternals, I wouldn't be surprised if they played with the idea of loss. Because now that we saw what loss can do for movie-going audiences who expect heroes, who expect winners, people who go into their challenges knowing how to come out of them or learning how to in the progress of the movie but you don't go to a movie expecting the bad ending and that's why i think infinity war stands tall as top three marvel movies for me personally um in the same category as dang man i don't know there's so many brilliant shiners in the mcu i rearrange it all the time but right now i'm gonna say my current standing would be thor ragnarok and captain america the winter soldier with infinity war just as standalone movies phenomenal movies start to finish what if the eternals failed if the eternals failed then there would be a reason for the multiverse then there'd be a reason that these these people who wanted to protect the human race so badly and shout out to one of the uh first openly gay characters in the eternals in the mcu it's going to be a, a real nice fresh change especially with all the new faces like hopefully miles morales making an appearance at some point wolverine making an appearance at some point which way are they going to take all of these characters now that they don't have to play by the norm audiences are going to show up because these movies make money because these movies explore and have touched on every single one of us and they have us by the wallet chains, our 1990s Hot Topic wallet chain that's like the face of not a Super Nintendo, but a classic Nintendo controller that still has the Velcro on it. They've got me. They've got me and I know they've got you too. So hey, if anybody wants to go to the movies, you know where I'll be. We got Spider-Man news. This kind of ties into the same thing I was just saying with the Eternals. What if they failed? And if they were protectors of a different universe, it turns out. Because at the end of the Eternals trailer, we see all of them standing together against one big threat. And for Kit Harrington to become Black Knight so quick, so suddenly, it might do them better to span that out a few movies like how john walker is the u.s agent but he's not the one that we know right now how madam hydra's moving things around how kang the conqueror is coming in and he plays with time himself so what if time wasn't necessarily ripe for the picking yet shuma gorath's announcement that we had a couple weeks back in the fatal fanfare number four or uh number three i think um shuma gorath being in dr strange's movie synopsis means that you know there could be more realities for the mcu there could be a way that by the end of all of these contracts 
all of these movie franchises don't necessarily get dismissed, but brought into the grander circle of things. And let's take a look at this Spider-Man movie rumor. It's a rumor on the synopsis and tied together by some of my theorizing. This is what we got, quote-unquote, from one of the actors from Spider-Man. I had heard that the No Way Home wasn't in reference to Spider-Man, but to the villains. That the villains are coming out of these different alternate dimensions that they don't have a way home. Here's the thing. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, when he died at the end of Spider-Man 2, or, you know, presumably dead, but we got that little glimpse where his glasses floated up from the water, kind of allowing, like, the idea... Air rises. Dead bodies sink, right? They, they're gonna bring him in. I mean, he's already slated for this movie. He's coming in. But what if he didn't want to go home? What if there was, like, oh, if I... Like, my home was destroyed. The Peter I knew is destroyed so I can teach young Tom Holland to be the Spider-Man that he was. And now you got a good Doc Ock, or you got like a, a playing with his morality Doc Ock, because there's so much to do in an alternate reality, he could go look for his dead wife. He can go do many, many things. Al along with a lot of different people coming in for Spider-Man 3, we got Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman, returning from Spider-Man 3, Reese Ilfan as the Lizard uh, from Amazing Spider-Man, how he we got that glimpse, that stinger at the end of that movie. I don't think it's a stinger. It was kind of like a soft walk-in to the Scorpion character. Paul Giamatti as Rhino from Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's something I could have left alone. But if we're not dismissing all of the Amazing Spider-Man universe as a whole canon, and we might bring Andrew Garfield into this new Spider-Man, what's to stop, you know, just keeping all of that property? Turning some of that property into some more MCU-recognizable, colorful Jack Kirby design. Because Paul Giamatti just... You didn't do it for me, man. You didn't. When you were sitting there doing your Alexi accent, it didn't do it for me. The tracksuit was a little, man, Sony, come on. I know we're American audiences, but that was a little too Americanized for my liking. And the MCU has a really good way of generalizing these themes. So I want to see that in uh, No Way Home. Melina actually says that it does pick up from the moment you see at the end of Spider-Man 2. So, does that mean when he sinks to the bottom of that lake that he goes into Spider-Man's now bigger universe, influenced by maybe somebody like Shumagorath who has Tom Holland slated to appear in Doctor Strange to hopefully join the Sorcerer Supreme? in fighting. That's all for Spider-Man. But hey, no paper boys for the Daily News, whether it's the Daily Bugle or the Daily Planet. Because it's your boy Fatal, and we're bringing you Notable Number Ones! And I worked really hard on it, so I hope y'all like it, okay? We're going into Notable Number Ones, which kicks off with Aftershock Comics. Shout out to Chalice in Gay Pride Month, all the month of June. Out of Body Number One by Peter Milligan. Coming out June 2nd, when Dan Collins wakes to find his life hanging by a thread, he must use his astral projection, very Doctor Strange, to discover who tried to kill him. Who is the beautiful mystic who tried to help him? Who does August Freen want dance? You know, there's just a lot going on, whether it's a, a you want to go in for the romance or the cult thriller, the drama about life and death and everything in between. Go for Out of Body number one, coming June 2nd by Aftershock Comics. We're moving on to Artists, Writers, and Artisans Incorporated with Mots number one. June 2nd, J. Michael Straczynski is back. M oh, I do like, I do like when he writes things. 
Emily Kai has immense power inside her. However, the moment she taps into it, a clock starts. She will have only six months to live. As Emily enters into this journey, she contemplates how to use her gifts to bring beauty into the world in the limited time she has to use these powers. That comes in Mots number one, June 2nd. I love the Pushing Daisies concept stories. I, you know, it's, we just did two of them. I love when they go in, like we did Silver City number one a few weeks back, right? And Silver City number one, I, I ended up reading that one. That's beautiful. If you like Constantine, if you like a softer, but at the same time, intensely metal look at resurrection and themes of reincarnation, and if you like the Lazarus Pit or Ra's al Ghul type comics with Batman, check out Maz number one. Check out Out of Body number one. Check out Silver City number one. Go check out Hellboy. Go check out Spawn. Go support your local comic shops, okay? Comic shop locator. Uh, Localcomic.shop, okay? Black Mask Comics is back with Everfrost number one by Ryan Lindsay, June 2nd. Van Louise retired to the Ice Coast so she could quietly find a way off planet from a world on the wrong side of societal collapse. She biohacks a dead leviathan to orchestrate passage away into the universe. But her plans are about to get chewed up by a mounting war between the warlords, violent gatekeepers for the global ruling party, and the Bloom. Those who risk extinction living out on the water. As well as family reunion with her son. See... Just from that synopsis alone, go read that if you like literature, if you're a writer, if you just want colorful verbiage, if you are a linguist, I'm sure you'll get something along the line of very Victorian and medieval fare in, in that writing. That black, just the black and white words alone might be enough to make a grown man cry if they do it right. And it's accompanied by beautiful, almost single color art. The cover, at least, the variant is uh, a lot of single color art. You're going to get very high, I would say, washed colors. Oranges, citruses, springtime colors in this comic. Black Mask Comics, we don't do a lot. We don't review them a lot. But this one is definitely a notable number one. So, from Boom Studios, Basilisk number one by Colin Bunn, June 2nd. Who can stop the Chimera? Five individuals bound by a cult-like hive mind, they terrorize small towns with their horrifying, supernatural, sense-based powers, leaving death and destruction in their wake. Reagan, one of the Chimera, escaped and has been in hiding with her murderous eyes bound, overcome with guilt, until now, when a victim from her past forces her to hunt down the four others of her kind. Check that out in Basilisk number 1 by Cullen Bunn, June 2nd. Boundless Comics, Jungle Fantasy Fauna number one by Ivan Rodriguez coming June 2nd. Ooh, give me a sec. Hi and tight, man. We got to stay, gotta stay hydrated, okay? You can spend your bits on all the streamers, keeping them hydrated. I'll do it for you. Ah. Awesome. The original Jungle Girl of your fantasies returns in an all-new Fauna series. Picking up from the Survivor series, Fauna is adrift in search of her sister Flora, but she encounters a whole new continent on this jungle world filled with new species, deadly threats, and ancient secrets, leading into her meeting with the Tree Sara girls. Two stories in every single issue, so yeah, bang for your buck, Jungle Fantasy, Fauna number one. 
Oh, Dark Horse Comics, you know just how to please the fans. Uh, anybody watching this on Twitch.tv knows that Apex Legends rules. If you don't know it, now you know. If you haven't played it, it's free. Apex Legends Overtime number one, a four-part series coming from Jesse Stern, June 2nd. The legends from the Battle Royale video game find themselves pulled together to rescue the city from mad scientists, brutal assassins, and the sudden and sinister grip of the syndicate, a a corrupt cabal attempting to fix arena outcomes in their favor. Will the legends hold up to the celebrity status or be the hero's solace needs? Man... I just want to see Mirage in a comic book. If you like Deadpool, I can only imagine that Mirage would probably be the business in that comic. Um, with contradictions and personifications like uh, Crypto being very Shoto Todoroki, I imagine, like how he is in the video game, analytical, approaching things the way always somebody like a master hacker, a master coordinator, master strategist could. You know, I just want to see the celebrities work together. What does Wraith have to say? What is going on in her mind? Let's take some deep dives into these characters a little further than the tidbits they give us in the video game. Um, also from Dark Horse, lesser... Uh, I wouldn't... No. Not lesser-known property. My apologies. All of these are worth a notable number. Checkout. Okay, number one checkout. Worst Dudes, number one, a five-part series from Aubrey Sitterson. June 2nd, the book's so dirty it'll turn your other comics yellow. A dirty cop, a drugged-up backup dancer, and an angsty adolescent god. The absolute worst dudes in the galaxy are raunch-filled hunt, uh, on a hu- raunch-filled hunt for a missing pop star. It's hilarious, aggressively weird, willfully vulgar detective story from noted reprobates Aubrey Sitterson. From comic books such as No One Left to Fight... Uh, the comic book story of professional wrestling. It's going to be good. It's going to be he- heavy metal. It's going to be funny. And it's for mature readers. Recommended. I wouldn't say only. If you can sneak it, I'm not telling you to. Just check it out, okay? You know, go. Uh, ignore the hustlers. Ignore everything else in your parents' bedroom. But if they've got this book, I would check it out. You know, late night uh, after 1 a.m. Comedy Central sort of checkout. From DC Comics, The Nice House on the Lake number one. Uh, Detective Comics' own writer and veteran, James Tinian, coming June 1st, The Nice House on the Lake presents a specific vector of American life. Um, Comicbook.com reviews it as, you know, just this mid-30 adventure with a lot of skeletons in the closet. It doesn't want you to know a lot about it, so the synopsises are very scarce and few. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be harrowing, to say the least. Grabbing, gripping. It'll keep you reading. Crushing Lobo number one by Mariko Tamaki, June 1st. In case anyone was wondering, Crush is doing just freaking fine. Uh, she quit being a teen titan in a blaze of glory. Her relationship with her girlfriend isn't really working out that well. Crush has a lot of stuff going on. Maybe she's not too fine after all, but if you want to check out what she's got going on, she found Lobo in space jail. What adventures can ensue? I can only imagine the Rick and Morty polarity is at an all-time high with Crush and Lobo number one. Dynamite Entertainment coming with Betty Page and Curse of the Banshee number one. Steven Mooney. June 2nd, uh, he created Half Past Danger, I actually really dig that one, 
the pinup queen of adventure is back. Dynamite Entertainment proudly presents Betty Page and the Curse of the Banshee. As I had just said, but utilizing several clues found at an ancient key artifact site in Middle America, McKnight and Betty surmise that the key artifact has been relocated to an ancient burial site in rural island, Ireland. They must give chase to it. Very Pink Panther, very Hardy Boys. Much like that Hellboy comic we reviewed a few weeks back. Vampirella 1992, number one, by Max Bemis, Bernis? Bemis, June 2nd. Vampirella is, uh, she spanned from 1970s to all the way to the modern age. Um, this time she's in the mid-90s, such as Wonder Woman in 1984. She must come to terms with the times, knowing what's going to happen, but also knowing the nerd culture is on a rise. She takes advantage of her status, her womanly wiles, and carves a name for herself in the uh, 1992 era. Go check it out. It's funny. It's metal. It's... It's everything. Image Comics has nothing coming out this week. You know, here's looking at you, Image. You've got, you know, your continuing runs, but nothing notable number one worthy. Marvel Comics has uh, Iron Man Annual number one. Nothing too new from them yet till next week when we get things from DC and Marvel, such as Represent and Pride and Heroes Reborn is still going on from Marvel, but like I said a few weeks back, we're not going to cover all of the span of Heroes Reborn. It just takes too long. Marvel has been creating these seeds, you know, sowing these seeds for so, so, so long. It'd be hard to do anything about them, you know, in the terms of just talking about them. Go check out the entire Heroes Reborn series by Marvel Entertainment. Uh, Iron Man Annual Number 1 by Jed McKay, June 2nd. Iron Man vs. Quantum. Also, you're going to get a Nick Fury eight-part series in this comic book. Uh, part one of eight, go check out all of the Iron Mans to follow future Marvel stories, to follow what's going on now and what Nick Fury and Coulson have done. Um, Iron Man is back, and he's trying to find out who kidnapped and tortured Miles Morales. What he finds out about the Assessor, and especially the villain Quantum, will shock him and you don't miss this in-depth look at some of the coolest villains in Marvel comics. Uh, we're going to talk about Trials of Loki, Marvel Tales number one, which is, you know, it's a collection of past Thor comics, past Loki comics. We're going to talk about that to promote Loki at the, uh, the end of the show when we do a brand new segment. But that's it for notable number ones. Um... We were going to go into Oni Press Inc. with Rick and Morty, uh, that comic series. We were going to go into Xenoscope Entertainment, but it's, it's comics that they have been already making, so I just want to give them a shout-out. If you don't know about Xenoscope Entertainment and uh, Myths and Legends, they do a series, a medieval series. It's badass. They kill people. They have politics. If you like Game of Thrones... Xenoscope Entertainment are your boys or your girls or your theys. All of the above. Oni Press Inc. is running a Rick and Morty series. I'm assuming this is just one arc in their long-running Rick and Morty series and their future Rick and Morty series. But this one is called Rick's New Hat Number 1 by Alex Firer. Uh, Rick's messing with the multiverse, guys. I don't want to get into it without spoiling it, but it just looks crazy. 
If you want to figure out what's going on with Bird Person, Mr. Poopy Butthole, Pickle Rick, well, this is a non-canonical look at all of them, but I'm sure you can pull some canon or fanfic from these comic series. The art is beautiful. It's very true to the show in a different uh, light, a little more CG drawn light, but um, Myths and Legends looks like something out of a just a heavy metal magazine. It's awesome. Moving on to movies. We got through that one. High and tight, baby. We got Vivo by Sony Picture Animation director Kirk D'Amico. Coming out June 4th, rated PG on Netflix, starring Michael Rooker, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Zoe Saldana. We know all of those names, guys. If we don't just go to some of these movies or go to the movies, returning to the movies just to check out some of these actors mingle. I mean, that's why I saw Onward. Because Chris Pratt and Tom Holland were in that movie. <laughs> I just wanted to see Star-Lord and Spider-Man go on a buddy cop adventure. Go on this, uh, this coming-of-age adventure that had a really important message about letting go and remembering all at the same time. They know just how to get our hearts. But that's Disney, and this is Sony. So we're going to see what Sony and Netflix have to say. In an animated musical adventure that follows Vivo, a one-of-a-kind kinkajou, a rainforest honey bear, little yellow monkeys, these little golden, they're adorable. They're like, I mean, for the more generalized sense or idea, I don't want to say they're lemurs, because lemurs are very specific too, but it's a faster monkey. It's uh, limber, he's cute, operative. Monkeys in general will mess you up, man. I don't care who you are, they tear faces off. They're intense. Um, it's an animated musical adventure, so you're gonna have songs to remember, maybe songs that come on the radio, who knows? You could have a new bop like something from Hamilton, because Lin-Manuel Miranda is playing Vivo, this little cute monkey. This very talented leading musical man is gonna sing you some songs, um, as he finds his way back from Havana to Miami in order to deliver a song on behalf of his beloved owner and mentor, Andres, who is played by Michael Rooker. Zoe Saldana, I don't know where you're at, Gamora, but I'll tune into that movie on Netflix just to check it out, just to find you. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It by New Line Cinema, directed by Michael Chavez, starring Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, Bonnie Aarons, June 4th, rated R. It reveals a chilling story of terror, murder, and unknown evil that shocked even experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. One of the most sensational cases from their files, it starts with a fight from, for the soul of a young boy, then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before to mark the first time in U.S. history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as a defense. Haunting movies, for me, aren't the same as horror movies. They influence audiences to go see them based off of, like, inspired by a true story. I don't... It, even if it was inspired by that and somebody was acting a fool or running amok or, hey, hell, let's say they got demons in them. The movies are a place for me to suspend belief... It's, it's just touching documentary territory in a real scripted way. But, hey, albeit to them, they've been doing this and a lot more successful than I could ever do. 
The Conjuring is a successful series, and I'm going to admit I enjoyed the first couple. I didn't see all of them. But The Devil Made Me Do It just has that real, real exorcist vibes. I might check this one out. Uh, Spirit Untamed by DreamWorks Animation. Spirit's back. Dude, I remember Spirit when I was a kid. I'm still a kid. We're always kids. But Spirit's back. And I'm glad that, you know, a familiar horse is in there. Ooh, Mr. Ed was a horse that we just never brought back. Can we bring him back in a weird, big, bad way? Can I get a Mr. Ed goes to town? Mr. Ed versus Spirit. HBO Max. Anyway, Spirit Untamed by DreamWorks Animation, directed by Elaine Bogan, and co-directed by Ennio Torresen. Torresen. Uh, starring Julianne Moore, Aza Gonzalez, and Jake Gyllenhaal, coming June 4th, rated PG. An epic adventure about a headstrong girl looking, longing for a place to, uh, excuse me, to belong, who discovers a kindred spirit when her life intersects with a wild horse spirit. It is the next chapter in Spirit's Adventure. You can go read this entire movie, as I almost did, but the spoilers are plentiful and far between. You're gonna read the whole movie if you end up just not watching it. So don't do that. Go check out Spirit. He had our hearts the first time. He can do it again. Doesn't matter where he's at. Moving on to TV. Ooh, I like this one. A Peacock original, an NBC program called We Are Lady Parts. Creator Nita Manzoor takes a look at the highs and lows of band members that make up a Muslim female punk band. Lady Parts. Dude, as somebody who's been in punk bands, I'm hyped for this. (laughs) This looks adorable. This looks fun. It is a comedy. It's coming June 3rd, 2021, starring Anjanya Vasan, Sarah Camila MP, MP, and Faith Amoli. I hope I didn't mispronounce any of those. I am not Google Translate. Ah, As seen through the eyes of Amina Hussein, a geeky PhD student who is recruited to be their unlikely lead guitarist. Dude, if you're just thrusted into a band i like to see what some of these bands who greet these new members like frat members from their eyes what they expect to give to these new members like are they as rock stars are probably thinking like yo wild sex and coke parties wild everything maybe that's what this person expects i want to see what kind of hijinks they get into maybe i'm presuming too much but when you take an ordinary ed out of his ordinary life Shout out to Mr. Ed the Horse again. You get hijinks, man. This chick with a PhD is going to experience crazy rock and roll underground parties, underground bars, dive bars, mosh pits. Oh, I want to see a circle mosh. I want them to circle mosh. First, female punk Muslim circle mosh. Maybe I'm presuming. Maybe they do it all the time. Maybe it's awesome. Uh, it's commissioned for six episodes, so check that out on uh, the NBC streaming service Peacock. Dude, we are breezing through this. It is incredible. All right. Games. The Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood by ZeniMax Online Studios coming June 1st. The Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood continues the saga 
that started with the Flames of Ambition DLC. Players will get to uncover the schemes of Daedric Prince, Mayrune's uh, Dagon? I was going to say Dragon. And investigate, investigate a conspiracy that leads to the Deadlands. The Elder Scrolls Online Enhanced Edition is launching on PS5, so you can get Black, the Blackwood DLC on June 8th uh, on PS5 if you have Series X. It's the same day. Um, it's also launching on PC, Xbox One, and PS4 on June 8th. Uh, June 1st, you can kind of get in there, test out Blackwood's waters until it goes global. Uh, it's going to take place on the swamp borders between the Khajiit elsewhere, the west, the Argonian Black Marsh on the east, everything in between. It's huge. Chivalry 2 coming on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X. All of it. All of it. People are already playing on Twitch. Uh, I've checked it out. It's freaking sweet, man. Tripwire Interactive coming June 8th, inspired by Medieval Movie Battle. Chivalry 2 is a multiplayer first-person shooter that features weapons and combat to represent iconic moments from the medieval era. The game features 64 player, golly, 64 player battlefields, different factions and various maps. Chivalry 2 will also support crossplay. The open beta kicked off May 27th. The open beta ended today. Dude. I'll be in there. If you'll be in there, let's cross swords on the battlefield. It is Pride Month after all. Let's, you can cross your sword with my, my sword. Okay? Let's cross swords. All right. That's all for news. Ooh, that was hard getting through that news. But ah, we'll take a break from the news for a sec. Let's go to a close-up. Just want to thank everybody for being here. Um... You know, I got to do it. I got to do my thing. Got to do my job. What I employ myself to do and what people expect of this show. Go support your local comic shop. Go buy trades. Go buy comics. Go on Amazon. Read them on a streaming service. Support them. Don't pirate. Don't do that. We're not kids anymore. It's not the early 2000s in the Wild West. If we are kids still, ask your parents. We can go get comics. Go open a lemonade stand. Okay, just go support. Um, we're going to deep dive into Moon Knight next because at the top of the show, we had Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. So if you want to keep this character a secret for your Marvel viewing, if you want to explore with me because you are not familiar with Marvel property past the proper MCU, here we go. The next 20 minutes is going to be spent deep diving Moon Knight what we think of him, what we expect from this movie. Just, you know, bear with us if you want to learn about this character. If you don't, see you later. Thank you for staying. Let's deep dive Moon Knight. Yeah, woo! Mark Spector, the Moon Knight. He's a Marvel Knight. He's a, an Avenger. He's a badass. Rocking... Before anybody was rocking an iconic white cloak, ooh, a comic book or grander nerd culture white cloak, Moon Knight. <laughs> Moon Knight. Mark Spector is a former boxer, a Marine, a CIA operative, 
a mercenary. He almost got murdered despite all of these things. He was brought along to a trip because of all of these things by his boss, Raoul Bushman. When they stumbled upon the archaeological dig, Bushman wanted it all for himself. He ended up taking Spectre down. He didn't want any witnesses. He murdered everybody on the, on the expedition except those who can get Bushman home. But this leaves Mark Spectre in a really deep cut. My man is left dead, bleeding in the snow. Bushman then leaves. People come and uh, pick up Spectre, but not just any people, disciples of an Egyptian god. Khonshu. Spectre awakens to find himself wrapped in a silver shroud. He's seen visions of Khonshu. Khonshu has given him magnificent gifts. But not without consequence and not without duty. Mark will learn that over the span of being the, uh, the Moon Knight over the next 40, 40 years. 48, 52, 52 years about. Moon Knight's been, it's been around a good minute. Good while. Spectre, after he is wrapped in this silver cloak with his newfound abilities, not knowing what they are, proceeds to want to fight Bushman, training for a very short time before vengeance becomes his primary duty, much like Batman in the death of his parents. But Batman waited. Batman meditated. Both of these men are rich, but one of them knew when to fight. And that's the thing Mark Spectre has an issue with. He and Taskmaster has said this himself. He will not copy Moon Knight's powers because Moon Knight would rather take a hit than give one. He would rather eat punishment. He would rather get the living hell kicked out of him. He would rather get New Mooned to Blood Moon. You know what I mean? Mark Spector likes to go down fighting if it's the last thing he does. And we see that behavior in a couple other Marvel characters in the term of Frank Castle and Daredevil. He actually ends up teaming up with Spider-Man, Punisher, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and the Avengers themselves. Spectre, after he had defeated Bushman, decided to become a crime fighter when he returned to America. Like we saw Iron Man in the Iron Man movie in the Iron Man comics after he fights his wars and faces his demons. When he returns, he must take on the mantle that he has now been cursed with, that he has been blessed with, that he carries like luggage, like baggage now for the rest of his life because it's who he is. He has now become the Moon Knight, a.k.a. the Fist of Khonshu. He created multiple personalities to distance himself from his past, his PTSD. He uses identities to stay in contact with certain people. Certain people only want to talk to him if he's somebody or somebody else. Uh, They only know certain names, so Mark has now compartmentalized all of these identities, creating multiple personality disorder, giving him a heavy case of schizophrenia. He can't control this either. Like phases of the moon, they must breathe. In phases of the moon, his powers change. Let's talk about Moon Knight's powers. Moon Knight's powers, they range from street-level human-like ability to overwhelming celestial god-like ability. Some of these multiple personalities also have their own powers. Also have their own understandings of the way certain fights should go. He's a master of such martial arts as boxing, kung fu, eskrima, judo, karate, ninjutsu, savate, and muay thai. He's an Olympic level athlete. He's an acrobat. 
He's a gymnast. He's a combat strategist. Any of this ringing a bell, Moon Knight can literally do what we praise Captain America for doing. Daredevil for doing. Spider-Man, Batman, and everybody under the Marvel and DC sun. Under the Gotham, Harlem, Hell's Kitchen, sun, or moon. In this manner of speaking, he loves throwing weapons. Little crescent-shaped moons, throwing darts, nunchucks, bow staff, truncheon. He is skilled with throwing weapons. He loves throwing weapons. He's the Batman of throwing weapons. And I'm going to compare him to Batman a lot because him and Moon Knight are very, very similar. Except Batman knows who he is. If Batman had become crazy like so many of his villains, if his villains represent his many different personalities... That's who we could consider Moon Knight, if all of them were a superhero. His encounter with the Egyptian moon god Khonshu is what bestowed these powers upon him, giving him super strength, super endurance, super reflex, and a lot of enhancements depending on the phases of the moon. The fuller the moon is, the more strength Moon Knight can derive from it. Even during a new moon, he can lift several hundred pounds. It's not known how much of his strength is magical, or how much of it comes from just how flippin' nuts Mark Spector is. The man can't, like a mother lifting a baby off a car, can't sometimes deal. His emotions run a little too high sometimes. But that height and emotion is what can enhance or decrease his powers. It can give him a massive loss of self-control or an uprising within his ability. Disobeying Kanshu can result in the loss of his powers. And we talked about that when we covered the Eternals. The Celestials can take the Eternals' powers when they disobey them. Mark, if he disobeys this one person who wants to use him as an avatar, a vessel, uh, a Leia, so to speak, he can just take it away from Mark. He can just say no. Stop doing that. You're running amok. You're doing things wrong. You're fighting the wrong people. I dismiss my power from you. Um, this leaves Moon Knight powerless and confirmed powerless a few years ago during uh, the Midnight Sun arc. Moon Knight had to come up with a different way to fight crime, like Daredevil. When Daredevil loses his uh, abilities, his blindness, his senses, he can revert to his master martial arts, his uh, ability with nunchucks, bow. Uh, batons, nightsticks, and uh, many things of ninja-like nature. So when he Moon Knight loses his weapons, he actually asks Hawkeye to make new weapons for him. And he gets a lot of different weapons over the few decades, spanning uh, materials such as adamantium, carbanium. He gets weapons all over the MCU from all different organizations. As the rich boy he is, he rarely has to buy anything himself. He doesn't have the cash physically because it's all tied up. It's not liquefied. So Mark Spector constantly is in a bind when he's Moon Knight because he has to be one personality to ask a business to buy something for him. So if it's not readily at his disposal, it's useless to the Moon Knight. Uh, his silver white costume is also made of adamantium for greater protection. That's badass, man. Have you ever tried to punch adamantium? No, because it's not real. And in fiction, it'll break your hand. Even in fiction, people who can lift hundreds of pounds, throw cars, they go, is that adamantium? I'll be a lot more careful. If you look at Wolverine, you don't go, oh, I'm going to approach that guy in a fist fight. He's five foot three and people go, whoa, Nelly, that's a very beefy and metal man. Taskmaster can copy anybody. Won't copy the Moon Knight. 
And instead, Taskmaster copies people like Hawkeye to try to get advantages on Moon Knight, which just leads Moon Knight to be able to fight evil alter egos of all of the Marvel heroes. Takes on all of them and wins. He also fights Doctor Doom, Doc Ock, Dracula, Kingpin, Iron Fist, Madam Mask, both the Green Goblin and the Hobgoblin, and a few other goblins to date. Because he has fought Spider-Man, he's fought the old Avengers, the new Avengers, he's fought Ultron. Somebody named the Profiler, which is as lame as you think it is. Somebody who can literally scope somebody and kind of predict what they're going to do next or in their next oncoming moments or uh, days or weeks. He can't get a read on Moon Knight because Moon Knight can change his personality. He fights the Punisher. He fights Kang the Conqueror. If any of this is leading up to anything Phase 4 or Phase 5 of the MCU, I would not be surprised with the Moon Knight Disney Plus Oscar Isaac show. Because Kang the Conqueror is rumored to be the big bad coming up before Galactus. If we get Galactus within this next 10 years, I doubt it. Okay, I would love it. Oh my goodness, I would love it. But much like Thanos, it's gonna have to wait. And much like uh, <laughs> War Machine... Next time, baby. Freaking next time. Moon Knight has been voiced by Nolan North and is now being portrayed by Oscar Isaac. I thank you for joining the Moon Knight Deep Dive. I think that's it for the Fatal Fanfare. I look forward to doing this every week. I encourage you to check them out. I encourage you to look at the art. I encourage you to get a new idea. Go out and tackle your day. All throughout the month of June, we're going to be doing DC, Marvel, and greater comic lore gay superhero tributes. With the show being as high and tight as it is, we want to explore some of the grander ideas and the quicker pulse in the news vein that we're able to read nowadays. Some There's been a lot of research and study and practice on my part that has now allowed me to view news quicker, to find deeper stories, to make connections with some of you guys outside of this that I'm really looking forward to expanding on and using in future shows. So as this show gets bigger and bigger, I just thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we'll never stop growing. So I thank you. Uh, this has been the Fatal Fanfare. Uh, anybody who wants to play a game, hit me up. It's been your boy Fatal for at Fatal Affair Cast on Twitter. Uh, the Fatal Fanfare on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Fatal Affair, Fatal Affair underscore on Instagram. You already know all the plugs are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me, man. We're out. I'm out. <laughs>